0: Little, you know, it's dirty and there's stuff around, you got to be careful not to trip but the volunteers who have been there have done a ton of work, but they would love for you to play too. So if you find yourself at home with nothing to do like say, um, you just don't really care about March Madness and you want to uh, <laughs> basketball's not that interesting. My wife got a memo from the CEO of Ernst and Young that yesterday or the day before it said basically said, you know, we know that these two weeks are just like a big frat party in America. But so many of you watched live streaming ballgames last year. You crashed our servers right before the deadline date, and we couldn't get any tax work done. So. And if you notice, if you watch live streaming, there's a boss button. Did you notice you can punch it? And fake emails come up. But here's the cheat. Did you, did you notice you, the boss button disappears during a commercial? So you can't get out of the commercials. You can only get out of the game. Now, I just want you to know I had to do this market research to make sure that the rest of the staff were not streaming. I need to know what the capacity. I know about, I know about the boss button. I do. I know. That's why. Cause, did you read the email? I know. Suddenly, everybody looks like they're their desk work. And I'm like, it'll be all different in two weeks. So, um, well, we'll see. anyway, if you find yourself with time on your hands, there's. Actually, it's actually a lot of fun to be over there right now because it looks like a church. So, um, you know, Richie's your guy. There's lots of stuff to do. Everybody can play. Life's good. Um, did I forget anything? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Um, do you know that little Derek Rose step-back jumper? You know what that looks like? That's what we're doing. We're doing the little Derek Rose step-back jumper today. We just got to just gotta take a step back and kind of pull everything together. Now, the Hoffmans are nice people. Let's, uh, two chairs together? We, you need two, are you dating? You need two chairs together? We're right there? You got it? Okay, good, good, that's right. Um, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you know, we, we've been sort of, it's been pretty heavy-duty theological stuff, you know, and, uh, for a while, but we we got to kind of step back, and we just want to think about, going into the new place, um, we want to think about what the world looks like, and how we see people, and how people might see us, and what people could, uh, you know, might expect from you. So, if I say to you, um, if I say to you, now partly you want to, you want to be able to kind of get this down to about five words or less, so that you can understand the world, and you'll be good at what you're going to do, and finding your spot, and working your spot, and all that. But partly the reason, I, the reason we want to do this is so that you know how we pastors see the world. Um, this is how when we, everybody has to see the world in a particular way. Um, You know, we see the world in this particular way. We're pretty well all agreed on it. But it's good for us to say it out loud because otherwise you might wonder some days, you know, what it is that we're doing. So if I ask you what the world looks like, and the board is not going to be enough. It's going to take about three boards to get this on, but, you know, we'll do our best here, okay? We'll start big and I'll erase and we'll move around. If I ask you, you know, what people are like in the world, if I ask you what the world looks like, if I ask you what your friends are like, if I ask you what people you bump into, You know, tell me what the world is 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 like. Just tell me what it's like. Okay, that's great. Good. Thanks for that. (laughs) Uh, There's a little article in Barrons yesterday. Did you see that? Some economist who has no time on, he's got too much time on his hands, realized. You know, they're always trying to figure out how much fear there is in any particular economy, and he's correlated. The highest fear in Europe is correlated to the countries that most believe in hell. So your Greeks, your Italians, your Spaniards, they're always nervous about the economy. Why? Because they believe in hell. If you believe in hell, everything is uncertain, and you know—and it it is, in fact, going to hell in a handbasket. It's now economically proven. So um, please, please, if you had to describe the world in one word, let me ask the question a different way. If you had to describe the world in one word, how would you do it? This is terribly important, because you've got to know what kind of people you bump into, especially after we ran you that passive-aggressive thing in the bulletin today, which basically means, Anytime anybody's nice to you, you should be suspicious they're being mean to you. You can't believe anything, right? So uh, there you go. I mean, okay. So what's the world look like? Thank you very much. Now, good. And I'm going to try to push you as far away from any theological term that um, that you that you have. So uh, good. So broken, self-indulgent. Thank you. Volatile, yeah, good. This is this is suddenly turned into a spelling test. Volatile, uh, broken, self-indulgent. Volatile. Um, wait, there was one in the middle that was nice. Selfish, but there was one right here in between these two. I couldn't write as self uncertain. That's right. Selfish, uncertain. This is very nice. Extreme. This is good. It is beautiful. Um, but that's not the answer I want, so I'm just going to ignore it. <coughs> okay, just hold on to that for a second. Hold on to hold on to that. In about about nine minutes, I'm going to really need that. Okay, keep going. Chaotic. Chaotic. Good. There we go. Finally. Bing, Bing, Bing. You win the new car. You'll want to uh, see Joe Hanson. He's got the car. He's got the car, the keys, and the gift certificates for you. you get the cruise too. Whoever said that? I don't even know who said that. Is that you, Marty? Was that you? Oh, staff members can't win. Keep going. Um, how, about, how about angry? I mean, I know just a ton of people. I would just like to say, why are you so angry? Right? OK, got anything else? Good. Entropic. What the heck? <sighs> Judy, give it to us in English. I can't actually spell it. But if you were going to say, what, is, what does it mean? It means jumbled. Yeah, it's all earthquake, right? It's all it's all bumbling around. Okay, good. I wish I had. Uh, oof! I wish I had a marker that marked. You okay? Anything else you want to just put up there? Say it again. Try the bag. I was like, try the bag. Try the bag. Yeah, I got the bag right here. Like, try the bag. What does that mean? Uh, okay, anything else? Insecure. Uh, good, insecure. All right, so that's enough to, um, that basically gets you with anybody that you're going to bump into on the street, okay? So here's the thing, as Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, this would be, you know, symptoms of a deeper trouble. And this is just how people, people it's symptomatic. You, if you went to the doctor, you know, this is what they'd say. So this is the way scripture talks. This is Genesis 1 chaos. Um, Also, I'll just sort of give you the history of Western philosophy, you can kind of think of it this way, too, for you philosophical types, Um, things are always broken down, fear is one of the primary drivers of people. So what people fear, or what they react to is this chaos. And this is the symptom, okay, and you just you just keep making a list. Um, you just just keep making a list of what, and the symptoms are as long as the people you break into, and everybody's different, and people have their own ways, and and there you go. But we sort of start with the notion that this is um, Genesis 1, that this is chaos, and this is the reason there wasn't Eden, because the world was tohu wabohu. You remember, it's all bubbling and foamy and dark and mixed up. The spirit hovers over the water, and the very thing that God does is gives order. Right? So that's why when you say to your kid, clean up your room, pick up your socks, you're giving them a very biblical direction. You know, out of that chaos, the very first thing the Lord did was give order. Okay? So start with the notion that the world is chaotic. That's where we start. And we start with the notion that uh, people who walk into our office or walk into this church, I mean, I'm not talking about people who are in the gig now. I'm talking about people who, it might be you, Not everyone's, but people who just wander in off the street, that's the way um, um, chaos hits them. And basically, a lot of this stuff isn't new for you. You've heard me say all this before. So, chaos, basically, all these symptoms can be summed up in two words. And I've given you this before. This should probably be, I probably should have given you a midterm exam. So, if we were going to, at least for us, you've heard us say this before, how do you sum up all these things? You feel like you're what? Alone and what? Unloved. unloved. Thank you very much. So we just work with this basic paradigm. This, I, you know, I, I learned this from a marriage therapist 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Somebody, um, actually somebody, we, somebody went to a therapist and they said, you know, this marriage therapist said, 99% of the people who walk through my door are there because they feel lonely and unloved. They feel alone and unloved. I've found that to be virtually infallible. Almost every problem gets back to I'm all alone and nobody loves me. So I, here's what I want you to I just want you to test this as you go through your life, okay? The, the, the sense that I get, most people suffering all of this is because people feel alone and unloved. The reason they feel alone and unloved is because the world is chaotic by nature. Everything is, everything is broken. That brokenness weighs on people. It expresses itself in all sorts of different ways. And people have this feeling that they're alone and unloved. Okay, I'm just going to pause there. you still okay? Because this is really important. If you, if you understand this, you'll understand the way we think about the world. You'll also understand why, why and how this congregation is attractive to people, and also why it's not attractive to people, I suppose, because people are always different. But in general, this seems to work. So the world is a chaotic place. These are the symptoms, and this is how almost everything, you just need to shorthand it, chaos shows itself in people feeling uh, lonely and unloved. I'm all alone, and nobody loves me. You still good? Okay, now Carol, gird up, because it's time for the big shot, big shot answers. So if you said, uh, if I put the question to you this way, if the world is chaotic and people feel alone and unloved, how do they self-medicate? There you go. That's the way I could put it for you. Or I could say it to you, what is it that people want? If they feel lonely and unloved, what do they want? Or if they feel broken, angry, how do they, I'll just give it to you this way, how do they self-medicate? Because that's actually what people do in different forms. They want a solution. They want the entropy to settle down. They want things, so what are are the things? And now we're in a postmodern world, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, the world is a postmodern world. So in a postmodern world, what do folks want? I know that we're right on the cusp, so we have this strange thing where we, it only happens every couple of centuries. You had a shift from, um, you know, you had the shift into a modern world that lasts three or 400 years. You know, roughly it's going strong by the time of the French Revolution. Now we've shifted out of the modern world into a postmodern world people who are 20 and 30 are horribly different from people who are 60 and 70, which is one of the tough things about being a church and a pastor, which is you have two kinds of people who think just totally differently. They see the world just completely differently. Um, They're just completely different kind of people. It's a very interesting time. But in general, what is it that um, people, uh, how do they self-medicate? If you're a philosopher, you'd say, what is it people desire? What is it people want? So fear spawns desire. What is it? Or how would you, um, I'll just ask it in a practical question. If you were going to be a church, and you wanted to draw people in and you didn't know anything about the little baby Jesus, what sort of things would you deliver that people wandering in off the street would say, oh, they understand. Oh, they've got what I want or what I need. Oh, this might be a place for me wait i might not have to be alone and unloved the rest of my life what would the world look like so tell me in a postmodern world what would they do carol (laughs) beauty is one that's pretty good now partly you can cheat on this exam because we've been talking about this a thousand places for the last five years one is beauty another is community okay keep going what else what else would cure all this or make this okay (laughs) (laughs) or a heavy dose of drugs, both of which are ways to self-medicate, although therapy does it in a bit more pure way because it actually helps you change. Yes, Peter? Simplicity might be good. You know, I should probably have a a running second line of... um, Actually, this probably wouldn't be a bad thing to put simplicity here. Simplicity would be the reason you sing to Zay. As somebody said to me the other day, um, I was in trouble, and only the only thing that came to mind was this um, Tize piece that just kept running over and over my head. Which to which I said, Yeah, that because it's memory work. That's the reason we're saying Tize because it's memory work. Thank you. Beauty. Uh, one of the things Hold that. No, go, go. Hold that one. Do this one. Chaos is chaos because you're seeing everything without distinction. Yeah. Oh, it's all jumbled up. you now good just behind you what was the one that came just from behind you Uh, that wasn't the one I got justice first I'll put hierarchy down here so when my daughter went off to school the longest line when she was a freshman the longest line you tell me what's the longest line what's the one thing the kids wanted to sign up for what was the longest line in registration what organization sororities might be a possibility what else what would you say very close. Saved Darfur. Longest line at registration at Stanford was Saved Darfur. By far, Save Darfur. Where 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 people are in these camps and you know, the the militias ride through and slay them. You need to get to know George Clooney. I have his number. I can give it to you later. Okay. <laughs> He's under the weather. He's got malaria now. I saw it in People magazine, but. Uh, Okay, so you're almost there. So what postmoderns want? This is I'm going to give you. This is what the desire to pomos. Okay, and if you don't know what the what pomos are, you need to watch more Simpsons. Do You remember when? What's like Simpsons? Mel is Mel, right? Is the bartender? Mo, don't you, mo mo? He turned his he turned his. Don't you remember when he turned his the bar into an oxygen bar? Right, and then he says, what's what's a pomo? Right? Do you remember what the answer was? Yeah. Yeah, weird for the sake of being weird. That's exactly right. That's my definition of, you're one, Yonker. You're a Pomo. You're the perfect guy. You're 35. You're no way you're a modern. It's impossible. Beauty, it's just weird for the sake of being weird. What they want is beauty, community, justice. One more. Every Pomo thinks they're an authority on the matter. <laughs> That's actually true. That's actually one of the things that they're, they're the same as moderns. You know, moderns all thought they were the authority. Pomos all think, the interesting thing about pomos is they, they have their own grid, right? Go ahead. So what is it? Uh, we didn't. I didn't. I just marked it as a symptomatic. That's a symptom, not a driver. No. Some people do. Oh, actually, you'd be an odd pomo if you don't like hierarchy. One of the great things that pomos want is authority. More than anything, they want authority. Authority together with that. Oh, that's justice. Truth to power is justice. Absolutely. perfect. I'm saying exactly the same that you're, thing that you're saying, because you, you put community and justice together. Yeah. I can do this when I get together with my Facebook friends. Okay. Facebook can, although, although I just have to say, you know, here's the thing. I, I, you know, you sit around and you think, why didn't I think about, why didn't I invent Facebook? Facebook is just self-interest and Groupon is just greed. I mean, we knew what the seven deadly sins were. We should have known, isn't it? Isn't it not? Why would I pay hundred bucks for something I can spend fifty for? Yes, you are because you're an authority. So you're all you're right where you need to be. Intimacy. You go. You're faster than I can write. Intimacy. What was the next thing you said? Authenticity. Yeah, good. If I had a bar with leather chairs and cigars and a guest list, I'd call it specificity. <laughs> it's actually true. That's the name. When I'm retiring, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm gonna. Have, yeah, specificity. That's good. That's exactly right. It would be perfectly POMO. Which would be authority. And specificity. specificity. Thank you very much. Give me one more, though. You've left out one critical thing that would be important for the church. Sorry? Clarity would be. Spirituality is the last one, of course. Spirituality of one sort and another. I can't tell you the number of under- 25s or 30s I've run into who said, money doesn't matter to me. You can't believe how easy the tithing lecture is in the new members class. A lot of people just don't care about money, as opposed to moderns who care desperately about money. It's a Completely different generation. It's completely different. That's part of the problem is we got two completely different ways of thinking about the world. Part of the reason we're doing this is to show you, show you how, how, how we're thinking about it. So here's the deal. The first thing is the world is chaotic and it shows itself in all these ways, people feel alone and unloved, and um, they want all this stuff, and the way that you get this stuff, they will tell you, these are their definitions, not our definitions, they want beautiful things, they want community, they don't want to be alone, they don't want to be unloved, and they want something bigger than themselves, okay? So now, you tell me, what have we taught in Bible study for the last four years on Sunday morning at 10-15? What do we do? Justice and mercy, and it's always this, so we would we would we would countenance this as Christology. This has been Bible study here the last three years. We did beauty as we were moving to the new space. That's part of the reason. You know, there were some people who argued, we'll just move in, because all we need is new more space. We don't just need more space. More space is not attractive to anybody, especially not in the postmodern age. What you don't need is more space. What you need is beautiful space, because that's what the world wants. The world is harsh. The world is not beautiful. People say, "I want a beautiful thing." The world is fractured. It's broken. You remember Saint Augustine's great, great definition of sin. His definition of sin is when everything's in pieces. His definition of God is when everything's pulled together. So people are completely scattered and chewing on each other, like it says in the scriptures. And in heaven, everything is put together after the way of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are three in one and one in three. Individual things put together as one, right? What people want is justice. And we talked about this as justice. Our side of this was mercy, but it's the same gig. Those are two sides of the same coin. And then spirituality. So what happens is, is um, I probably five or eight times a year I get invited to give a lecture somewhere. And I'm old enough now that I've written a lot of lectures. And so I can actually, and I don't really, if I do two or three a year, that's plenty for me. But I often write to them. They say, would you talk about this? And I said, if I talked about this, this is what I would say. And I often give them this gig. And they quite don't know what to do with it because people haven't made the postmodern shift yet. And so it sounds very threatening. And in fact, if you listen in the church, people will you know, make long sermon series against the postmodern world. You might as well make long sermon series about the sky being blue. I mean, you may not like it, but it is what it is. So you, the point is you should engage it. Now, the good news is um, that the church is in perfect position to engage this stuff. There's a chaotic world, but we're a place of community. This is what the church should be. Um, we have a chaotic world where people are broken and indulgent and volatile and everything. So they should come into this place, and what they should say is beautiful things where a community accepts them, where things are utterly transparent, that people are fair, and by the way, that all rolls right out of Christ. That makes sense? So this is the way, this all goes, you got you to hear all of this as the background for find your spot and work your spot, because this is what the world looks like. And let me just say another thing, just about a broader thing. <coughs> I'm not to say this. See, I'm always, you know, as my wife says, you know, there's the truth, and you know, there's, you know, <laughs> there's being honest and being brutally honest. So I was about to be brutally honest, and about trying to just be honest. You can parse the world another way, or you can deny that it's like this, but this is the way the world is. One of the one of the issues, I just, what happens in in at least in America, is that things get to the general public. They get to our level. About 50 or 60 years after they're in academia, so people started talking about a postmodern world in the 50s. Nobody believed it, and now everybody's talking about it. Or um, people always talk now about their perception or their perspective. That's just 60s talk. That's feminist theology, liberation theology, black theology. It's just it's every all it is is the recognition that everybody has what scholars would say is a hermeneutic a way of seeing the world, a grid. Everybody stands someplace to observe. The problem is when people go, well, that's my perception, and then they talk about it as truth, that means truth is just the difference whether you like vanilla or chocolate ice cream. Just how I feel. So the hardest thing now for being a pastor is there's no truth. Because people say, well, that's not how I feel. Well, that's not how I perceive it. That's not, that's not my perception. That's not my experience. I kind of want to say, hey, big deal. Because if you look around, this what 's going to happen is that 's about to roll over. I remember um, being at a graduate seminar at Princeton reading um, plato, and there 's a place where Plato says that women aren't um, <clears throat> women and slaves aren 't fully human they don 't have souls. We probably spent an hour talking about whether or not we could read that text because or whether that was so sexist that the text itself couldn't even be read i mean here 's the thing you read the text. You see what Plato says, and then you say, objectively, he says, women and slaves don't have souls. You can objectively disagree with that. But to just say, we're not going to read it because it doesn't fit my presuppositions is nonsense. That's filtered its way all the way down to kind of the common denominators. Hey, these are my perceptions. Hey, this is how I feel. So here's the thing. Everybody has feelings. You feel one way, you feel one way, you feel another way, you feel another way. You put a group of people together who we'll all feel different, and then what do you have? So... Instead, we say our primary driving question is not what you want or you feel. The primary driving question in the church is? Thank you very much. What does Christ want? What does Christ feel? Okay? That's, if I had another board, that's where I'm going to start writing. But the question is, what does Christ feel? So this is what the world looks like. It's chaotic. If you don't, if you don't believe me, we'll go over to um, the psych ward at CDH today. Or we'll just walk through with sick people. Or you can answer my phone calls this week. Because this is what the world is. The world has gone straight to hell. Pick up the front, read the front page of the New York Times today, Sunday edition. Yes, Peter. That's exactly what's happening. Although I just want to correct one thing, and it's probably because I misspoke. The notion that everybody can have their own truth is a modern idea. Okay? It's a, it's a modern reaction. So, postmoderns would actually say, I want to be part of something bigger than myself. There actually is authority. There actually is community. Now, the mistake they make is they still grid authority as their own. So I'll give you an example. The emergent church is even a better idea. Do you know what the emergent church is? Do you know what anybody know what that is? It's the newest hippest thing. It's 15, 20 years old. You know, basically in an emergent church, you kind of um, – so there's an emergent church nearby where instead of having a liturgy – there's a baptismal font over there, and there's an altar over there, and there's a creed over there, and there's a pastor over there, and there's people saying the Ten Commandments over there. And you walk in, and you just kind of find your own way. And if you want to have the supper before you get baptized, that's okay, because who are we to tell you what to do? And if, you just, if all you want today is confession, it's this sort of everybody is to the wind, and you get to decide on your own, hey, maybe I don't need baptism, or the supper I don't really, you know. It's a very different kind of idea. So people still have this notion that they get to decide what happens to them. As opposed to Christ deciding what happens to them. Okay. So this is the world in which we live, and the difficulty of this world is we're actually living in two worlds. We have one foot in the moderns. That's anybody who's over, you know, about 50, 55, maybe 60. They they think in one particular way. Now this is just people can think differently. I think much more like a postmodern than a modern, um, partly because I was kind of trained out of being a modern. It doesn't work. In fact, if you're a Lutheran, you almost didn't get to be in a modern. You were probably a pre-modern. You're still stuck in the 16th century. But here's the thing. This is an advantage to you, no lie, because you basically, you just you just kind of didn't believe any of that. And guess what? Now everybody decided, hey, we're not going to believe that anymore. So like, you saved yourself hundreds of hours of thinking about things. And years. You saved years of your life, you know, which is, you know, sometimes there's an advantage to being, you know, always late and slightly out of breath. So, uh, what happened is kind of Lutherans. almost In fact, the, the the Lutheran Church split. Our church split over the modern idea of historical criticism. That's a very modern idea. That I look at the Bible, basically historical criticism. Is this. I open the Bible and I decide whether or not Jesus said that. It's that simple. I decide whether Jesus said it. That's what the that's what the Lutheran Church split over. Okay. Now people are saying none of that matters anymore. What matters is let's just listen to the story and see what it tells us to say, so it Tells us to do. The problem then is the same problem you always have with sin is people. You, it says, so just take Jesus. Jesus says, Jesus says, you know, pray like this or be generous. People go, ah, I don't really want to be generous. I don't really want to say my prayers. That's the, that's the new problem. But that's an old problem. It's the problem of Adam and the disciples and everybody else. Okay? You still okay? Go ahead, Dave. Okay, uh... Right. So you've heard me say in the past, it's a shame if there's ever a Christian who doesn't have food on the table. It's a distribution problem. There's plenty of food in the world to feed everybody. The problem is it's a distribution problem. Yeah. We don't get to the right places. Yeah. And this is further complicated scarcity in the other parts. Right, if you watch so the news. I'm sorry. By ge- by yes, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you there. I thought yeah. you were I pausing there. Know. So you know, so, the, so the, one of the, if you're kind of reading ahead in the game, one of the great predictions now is over the next five years there's going to be food crisis worldwide. That'll be very interesting for a range of reasons time. Um, okay, that was about a third of where I thought I was going, but it 's actually okay because here's, so here 's what I want you to here 's the takeaway and here 's what you can think about next week. so we start with a world that we believe is chaotic we believe it 's chaotic because you tell us it 's chaotic. People that we bump into here 's the thing we basically when people call us on the phone you can 't believe how often this works. We listen and then listen and then listen, and then we say, Gosh, it sounds like you 're all alone and unloved and people go, How did you know i 'm like <laughs> really we're not that good Uh, here's the thing because everybody feels alone and unloved so and I just I'll give you so I'll give you your exam for this week listen to people who come to you and are in pain okay just listen to people just listen listen to people who are in pain that you bump into this week and you see if there's anything that doesn't fit into this category there may be a thing or two but basically you'll find out that the world they're going to describe a world that's chaotic i can't get along with my mother my father is sick i've just been diagnosed i've just lost my job we don't have food on the table my old friends don't like blah 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 blah. whatever it is basically what you're going to have is there's chaos and they're going to describe it all that chaos can be summed as being alone and unloved and then and this is this is going to go to gainings point about your job is to church the world the next thing i want you to think about is whether each of these things in some dose, beauty, community, justice, and mercy—we would say mercy, because that's what we're should, that would be forgiveness of sins and spirituality. A big dose of Christology. Ask yourself, if they had one or all of these, wouldn't their problems be solved? So, so for example, we don't we don't urge people right away to, to join the, the join the church. Here's what I—some people just need to sit underneath the new icon for a year and look at it. That's what they need to do. Right In the old days, it was all about numbers. The moderns are about numbers. We've got to measure things. We've got to get some metrics on this. That's not where postmoderns are because they don't care about that. Postmoderns feel much more about um, you know, the sense of the place. Or if you have people who are always lying about each other, always backbiting, postmoderns are going to flee. You want to ruin your church? Have a big fight. You know there's a study that um, when people witness a horrific event in a group, About 40% of the people leave, and they never come back. And it doesn't matter who's wrong or who's right. It just doesn't matter, because people don't want to be around more chaos, right? It doesn't matter who's wrong or who's right. So if you want to blow up your family, fight at Thanksgiving. Because next year, half the people are not coming back. You want to blow up your church, have a big fight. It doesn't matter who's wrong or who's right. People just say, gosh, I can get that at home, right? I can stay at home and get that. So I just want you to do these things. Observe this, whether people are describing chaos, See if it can be summarized like this, and then ask yourself whether or not it can be solved, changed, fixed, medicated, healed by this. And then, of course, you know where I'm going. Next week, it'll be, how does Christ do it? And the answer is, he does it in the liturgy. And then we need to pull out the component parts of that. And then we need to say, where are all the pieces where you could make that stronger? By liturgy, I don't just mean what's upstairs. I mean the liturgy of life, where all you people find your spot and work your spot. Does that make sense? So rich as guys, that's a liturgy of life. What is that? That's the guys who built the temple. That's who his guys are. That's his liturgy. Joy group is its own liturgy. That's people giving each other care. When, all, when many of the usual places where they would get care, jobs, where they'd fit in and be community, jobs, family, old friends, it's tough being, you, you've all had this, it's tough being the last one of the old friends, right? We, we see people all the time and say, what do they say? All my friends have died. Right? So lit- joy group is its own liturgy. It's a liturgy for people who aren't working, don't have, let's I hear this in the right way because i got a shorthand, don't have jobs, don't have family around, um, don't have order to their day maybe, and they live for that engagement with other people. It's an extraordinary valuable thing, right? Make sense? So in a church you have all these places and now you can, kind of see the, you can kind of see the method of this, which is, so everybody needs to find a spot in one of those places. And the people who, who hammer nails are as valuable as the joy group guys are as valuable as the people who teach Sunday schools are valuable as the people who serve an altar guild. Make sense? So the job is for each of you to find your spot and work your spot in a loving communal way that asks, what does Christ want from me, which then feeds on itself, it builds these things which make you more interesting, and then people will crawl over broken glass to join your church. And join your church they'll find out about Christ, and the circle just keeps going around. You get this? We'll do more next week. But you have to know how we see the world, because then it will be much clearer to you how you fit into the world, because your job is to church the world. Our job is to church you. Your job is to church the world. There's not enough of us. We can't be all the places you are. We can't work where you work. We can't be at your dinner table. We can't pick up your kids from school. We can't coach basketball for you. Right? Make sense? You got it? So if you understand this, then you'll understand what we're doing, and we'll get everybody on the same page, which then builds community, which makes things more beautiful, which makes it things more spiritual, which makes everything go around, and the thing just keeps going. Anyway, that's the method behind the madness. Make sense? We'll probably have to do another week of this. Next week, we'll talk about, uh, and frankly, you know, I'm going to ask you about the seven things I talked about way back 14 years ago when I came and see how many of those you can remember and how we consolidate that and where particular things in the church fit in different spots. We're going to do all of that, okay? So at the end, I may just um, I'm look. By the way, for you people who are smart about computer, t- I'm looking for a piece of software. I, this is tr- this is true now. Either PC or a, or a, or a Mac application. I'm looking for a piece of software that would do some graphing like this and also help me take if I had 2,000 names, all your names. If you have an iPhone, you know how you slide like you know say how you've got angry birds and you want to put that next to uh, ninja fruit, you know how that works over. So you just pull that over and it makes it puts them in a little box. I just want to be able to do that. I'd like to be able I'd love a piece of software I could just pull you over, and put you in a piece of box and put you in a box and put you in what. So I knew that everybody had their spot. I've been to probably five or six different software places nobody has that. If you can figure that out, if you know where that is, I would love to see it. I need a little, a little help there. Something really simple. Um, okay. All right, love you. Come back next week. Uh, Bring your friends and then upstairs to the Eucharist. haven't been there yet. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. See ya.